do you not want to be on the show anymore? I'll find another curmudgeonly brown person to do it. You think that you're the only one? But he's not your father. That doesn't matter. Who? Who? None of the white people listening to this show would know. Because they, he cannot bring that nuance. He cannot bring that pathos that I bring. Because of my relationship, I gave breath to you. You understand that thing? I mean, barely. You, I'm not sure you were that involved. I could replace you with like a sunglass hut ad in quick order. No one would notice. Welcome back to Not Great, the audio version of being forced to hit yourself in the face and then having the cosmos say, stop hitting yourself. I'm just kidding. The universe has forsaken us. I'm Sachi Cole, culture writer at BuzzFeed News and international Malvivant. How am I doing, you ask? Well, the other night I read an email about the election from our news editor right before falling asleep, and then I had some very confusing dreams about Jim Jordan. You might say that it's not great. Get it? Because I actually don't get this joke. People keep saying things are not great to me, but what does that mean? Can someone explain it to me? Please email me at notgreatatbuzzfeed.com if you can explain this joke to me. Something that I've had to come to terms with this year is that, frankly, I'm old now. This is the last year of my 20s, which means by an average person's standards, I'm still young enough to be condescended to by any man older than me. But by the standards of the Internet, which is where I live and where presumably you dwell too, I am, how do you say, elderly. I was born in the early 90s. And do you know how old that makes me in TikTok years? Over there, I'm old enough to actually access my pension, which doesn't exist because I'm a millennial and will have to work forever because I spent all my money on bedazzlers and hair crimpers in the mid-aughts. I'm broke, but my pubic hair looks incredible. On the internet, I'm old enough to remember the release of all five scary movie installments, and one day the 2000s children still lurking online will gather around me and ask, Grandmama, tell us about the day the scourge of wearing a dress over bootcut jeans was eradicated from the earth, and I will stroke their cheeks via Zoom, because at this rate, coronavirus will still exist, and I will tell them about the days when phones folded in half. Despite being old, I still really like going on TikTok. With the exceptions of certain accounts and certain comment sections, I think it's the last pure app. People on there are just having a nice time, making snacks, dancing to 50-second clips of songs I've never heard of, and just being weird. It feels like a nice place to be, even if I don't belong. And frankly, maybe I'm a little grateful I don't belong. Someone who very much does, though, is Danielle Cohn. Hi guys, I just got the new Pluto case in the mail and supposedly it sticks to anything. It is so cool and it looks so cute. So let's go try it out and let's see how it works filming a TikTok. Danielle is 16, living in an enormous house in Calabasas that she bought for her, her mother, and her older brother. How did she get so rich? TikTok, of course, where she has 18.4 million followers. I have eight, by the way, if, uh, if anyone was wondering. I first met Danielle a few years ago when she was just 14. I was filming a Netflix series called Follow This, and we spent a few weeks with her and her mother slash manager, Jennifer, talking about what it was like to be internet famous at such a young age, the money she makes online that provides for her entire family, and the deeply disgusting amounts of online harassment, threats, and shit-talking she used to deal with online. 
Back then, Danielle was posting on Musical.ly, an app for lip syncing and dancing. It would eventually become TikTok. Now, Danielle is 16. She has two homes. The second is a vacation home in Florida, which is where she was when I called her last week to catch up. I really thought her life was bonkers when we spoke last, and I honestly couldn't anticipate how her life could get stranger. But maybe that's just because I'm decrepit. I feel like I'm the exact like, same person, really. But, I mean, there definitely has been a lot of, like, situations and a lot of just, like, you know, like, things that have been going on since then. So I feel like it's more just the things that have been happening around me more than, you know, the things that were happening two years ago. Before we get into the shitty part of being a social media influencer, let's cover what's obviously good. The money. Jennifer told us a bit about how Danielle has become profitable enough to employ her mother, save up for her college tuition in full, and support the family with multiple homes, vacations, and all that from some pretty sweet sponsorship deals. What's an average, like how much does it cost to engage Danny Cohn in a deal? What's the average? Usually for a TikTok, she'll do like for 5000 Wow. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it can be like, depending on the brand and like what the company is, it can be like 2000 to 5000 But now she's at, because she's older, she won't take any deals unless she likes the company. Mm. So she turns away stuff all week long. Right. And then with the, the record label stuff, are they coming to her asking her to like dance to a song or to record it? Yeah, so they want her to make up a trend, like either a dance or some other type of trend to it. Oh, wow. That's really yeah. interesting, because I, I guess I always thought that those things were, like, naturally occurring, <laughs> yeah, no. but I guess not. Yeah. Does she take any of those? Has she done any of those when record companies have asked? If she likes the song. Only if she likes the song. Mm-hmm. If she doesn't like the song, then she doesn't do it. Has there been a song recently that she was like, yeah, I'm into it, let's do it? Well, last week she got three offers and she turned all three down. Other than the money and the fame and the fact that Danielle is being homeschooled and sets her own schedule and lives a free life, a quick recap of the last few years betrays a messier narrative. She's popular on TikTok and Instagram and YouTube, but she's also reviled. Reviled in a way that seems deeply inhumane to me. The criticisms are pretty routine and they're lobbed at every single cute teenage girl on the internet who has a burgeoning business dancing, singing, or talking, or breathing, or just being cute. For Danielle, she's dogged with insults, people calling her a slut, casting aspersions around her upbringing, and suggesting that she's growing up too fast. Entire Instagram accounts are made with the sole purpose of dissecting how she moves, what she looks like, what she does, whether her mother is a bad parent, and whether her relationships are real. Persistent online rumors also say that Danielle is actually 14 right now and not 16, and that she's stuck in a long con that she and her mother created to make her seem older than she is. Her father, who she has sporadic contact with, has been posting online about her age, making their relationship even more complicated. In 2018, she started dating another influencer named Mikey Tua, and after a year together, his parents made them split up publicly alleging that Danielle's supposed dishonesty about her age was about to be a real issue because Mikey was on the cusp of turning 18. When Mikey did finally turn 18, they got back together and he moved in with Danielle and her mother in California so the couple could be together. Then, earlier this year, a recording of a conversation between Danielle and Jennifer that was captured through the intercom of their home 
where Jennifer referenced an abortion Danielle had in January, was leaked online. Like with many internet controversies, news of Danielle's abortion created its own gossip ecosystem. There were YouTube videos investigating the audio, Instagram posts trying to simultaneously expose Danielle while also apparently wanting to protect her from Jennifer. In July, Danielle made a YouTube video about it, admitting that she did have an abortion and trying to clear the air that Mikey was not the father. As of now, it has 4.5 million views. Okay, got it? Easy, right? Exactly like your high school experience, I'm sure. It's because they're jealous of the fame. They're jealous of what she accomplished. And and they're jealous because I get to live with her and, you know, be with her. But that's because she wants to be with me. She loves me, like, regardless of what they say. What I said to Danny on that audio leak was wrong. But she's a teenager. We have arguments. Like, there's going to be arguments. Like, she's not perfect, but she's not. It's not what the Internet thinks. Being a teenage girl is hard enough. No one needs a few million people creating Instagram pages dedicated to mocking your weight or your very existence. But what's especially galling is Danielle's not really fighting with her peers. Teenage girls, after all, have better aim than National Guard snipers, and they can destroy your self-worth with one well-placed statement of, what are you wearing? Instead, Danielle is dealing with other adults. That's the thing about that audio leak. It's pretty bad. And I've had some blowouts with my mom in my time, but none of them were recorded by an auntie and posted only to be reposted over and over again online. Imagine your worst moments with your mom, available for public consumption, because of another adult. In the leaked audio, Jennifer goes on at length, speaking rather cruelly to her daughter. But the headline of the leak was that her 16-year-old daughter had had an abortion. Well, I knew as soon as I got told that it was leaked, I... I knew I was like this. It's going to be terrible. Like it could it could either make my career totally end because people, you know, people, there's a lot of people that don't support that. And I understand that because I know people that don't support it. They're not bad people. They just have different mindsets. They don't support the same things. And that's fine because like, I know I did. So I wanted to kind of make a video about it just because that way I could also like help out other girls that have had that done before. And so I think that's like the main reason why I did it. It's respectable of Danielle to want to normalize something like abortion for other women, and namely for other teen girls. But it's not like Danielle did this entirely by choice. She did it because an adult in her life, someone she at some point trusted, sold her out because she was having a fight with her mom. Here's the YouTube video Danielle made about it. Basically, things like this happen, and you have to live with it. And I know I'm not the only one that had to go through this alone, so... To all these guys out there, if you get a girl pregnant, please be there for her. Literally treat her like a queen because the pain she is going through, you will probably never feel that pain in your life. It is the worst pain ever. So please just be there for her. And I don't want anybody to ever have to go through what I went through. And, you know, I know a lot of people do, but this is just me trying to tell that my followers, you know, Make sure you are using protection. Make sure you're with somebody you actually love and you trust and somebody that you know will be there for you and not some guy that will just get you pregnant and run off. According to Danielle and Jennifer, someone who is close to the family is still actively trying to get at both of them. They claim that CPS is being called on them routinely. What are they alleging when they call? Um, that I abuse her. I sexually abuse her. Yeah. And the oh. girls, 
she's not hit. Like, you know, sometimes when you get in arguments, like you, you just want to like smack them, you know, their attitudes, but she's never been hit. Like, so, and nobody's ever seen me hit her. And they're alleging sexual abuse as well? Yeah. They say that I sexually traffic her. The frustrating element about teenagers achieving this kind of stratospheric fame, a version of it that's often cruel, that pits children against adults, is that the kids involved don't always fully comprehend the consequences they may face for their choices later on in life. But the adults around them do. The adults around Danielle know the consequences of their actions, the leaks, the scandals, all of it. But at this point, this many years deep, it's really hard to get off the ride when it's moving this fast and for so long, especially when it's given you a shot at a different kind of life. How is Jennifer supposed to help her daughter set boundaries when her daughter pays the bills? Knowing all of this, would you have aided her in this had you known this is what would have happened? No, because I didn't know that the world could actually be this disgusting and dark. So no, I wouldn't. I would rather be teaching and doing what I love. But now I can't even do that because I have so many CPS cases on me. So what I went to school for, I can't even possibly go back into teaching. And that's what I wanted to do when she was, you know, when she's old enough, you know, I wanted to go back and work and do what I loved. And I can't even do that anymore. So just allowing all this has affected my life and my son's life, just everything. Mm No, I wouldn't suggest it to any parents. Like, do not. Like, I know it's nice and like people want to live like this and they want this, but it's not happiness if you have people on the internet that control everything and they can call and they can make your life a living hell. And they do. It's just, it's so hard. And then people will be like, they just don't understand, you know, like, she has a stalker a 24-year-old man in San Antonio, Texas. He's talking about my child, you know, and I don't want him anywhere associated with my child or even having, like, conversations because I told Danny, I was like, who is this guy? Like, and she sent me, like, she let me go on her page and, like, he was DMing her. Do you smoke weed? Do you do this? Like, why are you writing a child? You are a grown man. And then he wants to come at me because I called him out for it. Says that I'm a pedophile. He tells me I'm a pedophile. But why are you a 24-year-old man contacting minors and then having hate pages on me? Oh, she'd be better off without me. She'd be better off without me. Danny would not be better off with you or anybody else. Why? Like, and you call the cops on the man? You do, I, I do everything. I had cops come to my house to go after this man and they will not do anything to this man. It is scary. I hire security whenever she does a meet and greet because I'm so scared of like people like him and people come at me and I'm not even the parent who is like that. Like, I don't want what they all want. I just wanted her happy. But like, if there's men out there like that, I don't think any parent should allow their children to start doing it at a young age. But Jen, you could, you can take this away with one snap of your finger. And that was true two years ago when we talked. And it's it's true for two more years, arguably. Yeah. I say that to her all the time. And she's like, this is what I want. I want to do this. Like, don't ruin what I've come of, you know? And it's a hard decision. And we, that's a lot of times why we argue. We argue about it so much. 
Now, Danielle is starting to think about her future. She wants to keep making music, which is her first love, but her interest in posting her entire life online is waning. She does it significantly less than she did a few years ago. She still wants to be a public figure and doesn't really want to be normal just yet. And she definitely wants to go to college. Um, it was actually always my dream to go to Harvard, um, just because like Harvard's like, you know, the best. So it's always been my dream to go there. Um, but, you know, Harvard is it's really hard to get into that. On the outside, Danielle is pretty similar to how she was when we met two years ago. She still looks like she's 25, complete with a makeup-aided Kardashian face. And she still acts like she's about 15, a consummate teenager who just wants to go to the mall and eat Chick-fil-A. But now I can't help noticing that she's also the most cynical and jaded teenager I think I've ever met. The harassment and online trolling affects her less than it did before, and she possesses a kind of body confidence I wish I had now, never mind at 16. But in the few short years that she's been a teenager, she's been dragged through war, living her life for public consumption. I mean, look, maybe I'm overstating it a little bit, but there is trauma associated with getting all that harassment and loathing thrown at you day after day. The calluses build up. Nothing can hurt you if you've seemingly been through it all and come out the other side. I feel like I've gotten like so used to it that it's not really something that like bothers me too much anymore because it's just like, it's kind of what you sign up for when you, you know, get in like into that type of stuff. Personally, I don't really care, you know, because, like, I don't even care about the hate comments I get. So I'm just like, I don't care. <laughs> but my mom, she gets, like, she gets really bothered by it. Because, I mean, I if I was, like, had a kid, too, I probably would get bothered if people were telling me I'm a bad mom. But, you know, I always tell her, I'm just like, just don't worry. Like, it's fine. Who cares what they think? I don't know why they hate and why they refuse to ever want to see us dead and they want to make it complicated, want us to cut off all communication. But we will never be controlled like that. No, we can never be controlled like that. I said that it ain't gonna hold me back. And I'm anyone I told you that. Do you have any gripes or grievances for the week? Yeah, I have I have gripes. I, I, I heard this interview on the news last night. WestJet is, calls all the f- people who fly as their guests. It just really, really bothers me. Guess we pay uh, money to fly. You offer a service, we pay. We're not guests, God damn it. <laughs> it is, don't you think? I mean, what, why should I be referred as a guest? Well, guests come to my house and I feed them. Do I say, okay, that'll be $59.99? I think you would prefer to do that, no. yes. I think you'd like to. What? No, for some, I would not, would not let them in, but... Your mother stays there, okay, so I let them in. Oh, fuck me. It's really September now. Or as we call it in quarantine, March to the sixth power. The summer was a hard one. We were all desperate to flock to each other, to crowd together in stifling bars, licking each other and breathing into each other's orifices and humping, both wet and dry, without the concern of needing an organ transplant. But we didn't get to do any of that. Instead, we cautiously sat six feet apart in parks, drinking IPAs through pursed lips, holding our piss because we couldn't go inside a restaurant, and so it's pretty dicey to use a public bathroom. We did puzzles. God, I did so many puzzles. 
we became woefully acquainted with what six feet actually looks like, which only confirms that most of the men I've dated were lying to me. But like I said, it's September. I don't believe in any equinoxes. Fall starts on the first of the month, which means that, regrettably, winter is coming. My friend Angelina Chapin wrote an article for The Cut about it called My Winter Dread Has Never Been Worse. Ange is a summer cat, someone who likes big heat. Here's what she wrote. Do you normally get through the god-awful season by seeing friends or family or the holidays or taking a vacation? Me too. Will we be able to do that safely this year without having to quarantine on either end of a trip or worrying about killing our last surviving grandparent in the process? Probably not. Oh, Ange, you're right. It's going to be hard, even for people like me who really like winter and really like staying indoors. I don't want my summer-loving buds to feel despair about the inevitable four months of inside-only activity. So here are some suggestions from me. A vampire. To you. A person who needs sunlight to live. Number one. Buy a light box. Light therapy can really help with seasonal affective disorder. Check it out. Number two. Block out your windows. Board them up so no light comes in and no light gets out. Enshrine yourself in the darkness. Learn to use your eyes in the dark. You cannot miss what you refuse to acknowledge. Number three, buy a new coat so you can enjoy some crisp wintertime walks. Bring a thermos of your favorite hot drink. Number four, find everything in your home that reminds you of a time before 2020. Burn it all. Use the ashes of your memories to write a list of your enemies on the walls of your home. Memorize the list. Number five, invest in a new cookbook and learn some new recipes. I've really been enjoying Julie Sani's classic Indian cooking. The Muchli is incredible. Number six, find a mirror and stare into your own eyes until you lose any sense of reality and start to see little worms moving around in your irises. <sighs> Wait, what was that? What was that noise? Oh God, board up the windows again just in case. Number seven, be consistent about FaceTiming and Zooming your friends and family. Set up a movie night or play Pictionary from afar. Learn a new cocktail and have everyone on the call make their own version of it. Number eight. When you hear the galloping of the horses, their hooves crashing down against the cracked pavement, you will know it is time to fight or flee. Pack a bag with essentials only. Food, flashlights, flares, gauze, baseball bat, a face mask and either cerulean or rust indicating what side of the revolution you are on. A raft for escaping a shovel to dig an underground passageway to San Miguel, a completed set of the Harry Potter books so you know which politicians to compare to Dolores Umbridge. Oh yeah, that'll really get him. And of course, a small vial of your own blood mixed with the blood of your mother. Wait for the signal. You'll know what it is when you hear it. Perch on the roof of your home. You do not fear the darkness now. You own it. When the snow charts its first fall to earth this year, crack the vial and drink the blood. You have arrived. It's also probably a really good time to find a therapist you like. Good luck out there. Today was a doozy. Let's get to the good stuff, where we find something on the internet that gives us a little bit of pleasure, and we ask ourselves, is that anything? Today's restorative TikTok comes from Haley, who just wants to live her goddamn life. I swear to God, if I get sent back home from college because you motherfuckers want to party, I will throw hands. I'm trying to get away from my parents. 
This is my only chance! This is her only chance! Is that anything? Anyway, that's what's going on over here. It's not great, but maybe next week will be better. Not Great is a production of BuzzFeed News and Embassy Row. Our executive producers are Carolina Vatslaviak, Charlotte Sims, Samantha Hennig, Julia Cassidy, Anna Marie Johnson, and Barry Jean Dorman. The show is edited by Maureen Vegas. Today's episode was written and produced by me, and our theme music is by Shawnee Cage. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at Sachi, that's S-C-A-A-C-H-I, or email the show at notgreat at buzzfeed.com. Smell you later. Let's kill all the lawyers.